The year is 1999, and the sixth Muppet movie is released in theaters. Some say it's the worst feature film starring Jim Henson's beloved characters, but does it truly deserve that reputation? I'm Travis Kirkland. I don't want to say to. And this is Defend Your Trash Movie. Welcome back to another fine edition, another fine episode of Defend Your Trash Movie, the podcast, the show where we examine bad movies and misrepresented films to see if they're actually good. Uh, Luana, mm-hmm. you know, I think uh, for this episode, we need to bring back an old segment, but do it with a, a certain fun twist, you know. Well, which, uh, which segment are you talking about? Well, I think, well, first of all, we'll be talking about a, uh, a certain segment of beloved characters, uh, that were created by the aforementioned Jim Henson. Jim Henson, of course, one of the legendary entertainers in the field of puppetry. And I think that while we will be talking about a certain set of characters in the Henson filmography. There are so many different characters from so many different films and TV shows that Henson was a part of that. Uh, you know what? I think we need to give some of these characters the date or past test. That's right, listeners. It's time for another edition of Date or Pass. Ooh, and um, are you going to take from the pool of characters that i am guessing you will yeah we're i mean we have a list of five different henson characters from all the various movies and tv shows that he was responsible for and uh you know we're just going to discuss whether we would uh go out on a date with them or if we'd give them a pass and uh you know it's such a giant i mean hence jim henson was such responsible for such a giant roster of media entertainment such a diverse diverse huge variety of different characters uh you know so many that you could date but uh let's see what we think about some of these individual choices on our list so first up for dater pass uh will be a character from sesame street (laughs) and our first Character on the list for Dater Pass is Ernie. Now, Ernie, of course, is the orange Muppet with black hair. He, he loves his rubber ducky. Um, part of the comedic Muppet duo of Bert and Ernie. Uh, and has been a part of Sesame Street for so many years. Um, uh, what, Luana, what, what are your initial thoughts about the dateability of Ernie? I think Ernie is a, a very fun uh, guy. Uh, he's always he's always laughing and playing tricks and stuff and, and having fun. So, um, you know, I, I think I think he'd make a he'd make a fun date. I think yeah, so. Yeah, I'll go I'll go date on Ernie. Uh, how about you? He's he's, he's just he's just a, a pleasant upbeat guy. Well, what do you think? 
Well, I want to talk about that kind of joking nature that he's known for because uh, the person who is often the target of his joking nature and his pranks is Bert. And uh, I think it's obvious that he does that to Bert because he loves him. Now, whether you take that as a platonic love or romantic love, it can be, you know, however you choose to. But it is out of loving uh, his partner, Bert, however you want to interpret that as. So I think that's affectionate. And I, and I, I do value a sense of humor in a relationship. But I got to say this. Just from this segments on Sesame Street between Bert and Ernie, I don't know. I, I again, I think Ernie is doing it out of love, sincere affection. But I think, I think I would be a little annoyed sometimes. I think Ernie is maybe the type of individual who doesn't quite know how to stop. Like, okay, Ernie, that's enough. Ah, ha ha. Yes, you, uh, Matt, you mixed up my socks. Or, you know, the rubber ducky actually needs to sit in the chair when I need to sit when I want to sit in the chair. Ha ha, what great times. Um, so I think, you know, I, I, again, I, I think he's he, he has a good upbeat nature to him, but I don't know if he has necessarily an off switch to him. Right, um, right. While he does things out of affection, I don't know. I don't know. So you know what? I'm going to say for Ernie, I'm going to stay friends with him. Because I'm sure he's a he seems like a pleasant guy to be friends with, but I don't think I'm gonna date him. Well, you know, I think uh, I see where you're coming from, but like to me, date is like literally just go on one date, and I think I think the like the brief space of time could um, work in Ernie's advantage. Like he's he's still is he still amusing for that brief space of time? Like I think he would wear out his welcome. So, but I see where you're coming from. Yeah, well, I mean, hey, again, Ernie's been a champ for years, so no big judgment on that. But we have another Muppet that we have to get to, and that is from Fraggle Rock. We have Moki. Now, Moki, for those who don't quite remember, Moki is the one who has uh, the blue hair and purple kind of pinkish skin. And uh, tends to be sort of a uh, kind of a spiritual, kind of a quieter voice fraggle compared to the others. Uh, you know what? I, you know what? Moki seems to me, I, I think she, she, she's, she's like a calm, understanding mood type of fraggle. Um, and I, I do like her spirituality. I, I like that she seems very uh, in tune with nature and also willing to uh, be nice to others. Um, on the one hand, I do get the sense that she might be one of those people who suddenly may uh, hand you like a crystal and be like, hold this crystal in your hand and then all the good luck will come to you. And you're, and you're like, oh, okay, uh, sure, whatever. I don't know. I guess I'll humor this person and hold a crystal for whatever their crazy beliefs are. But you know what? I, I think even despite that, I, I, I think Moki has some good mature nature to her. So I, I think I would date Moki. What about you? I think I would uh, agree with you. And, and uh, although I, you know, with the caveat that I would try and steer the conversation towards like the ecosystems of Fraggle Rock. Because, um, you know, she's, she's very spiritual. She's kind of the... Um, you know, she she writes in her diary. She meditates. And she paints. Um, so I feel like she probably has a really strong connection to Fraggle Rock. And since Fraggle Rock is very, uh, you know, uh, 
very distant from our human world. I'd like to learn more about it, and, and I'm sure she'd yeah. love to share. Uh, I, I would, I would probably try and steer the conversation away from topics such as my vaccination status. <laughs> I feel like Moki would be upset that, that I got my booster. Yeah, it's like no. It's like, you know, of course we don't have a mask mandate here at Fraggle Rock. Why would you go up to the to the silly ones world and get pumped full of that silly juice in in your veins? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's what Uncle Matt probably views vaccinations and how he probably describes it. Ah, look at the silly creatures getting their silly juice thinking that a simple sneeze is one to panic. I sneeze all the time and yes, a lot of what I taste now tastes like rocks, but I find that to just be a unique experience in this in outer space. <laughs> Uncle Matt meeting the same fate as Meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fraggle out of hell. Um, but, uh, all right, well, let's move on to our next Henson character, and that is from The Dark Crystal. We have Skeksol the Chamberlain. Skeksol the Chamberlain. Oh, yeah, the Chamberlain is the one who goes like, "Mm, mm." Yeah, and the one, uh, of course, part of the Skeksis, the, that, that, that vulture ugly creatures, and, uh, in particular, visually, this one is the one who usually is wearing the red robes, the red garments. Um, yeah, what, what are your, well, what do you, what are you thinking about Skeksol, the, the Chamberlain, Luana? Hmm. Mm. I mean, you mm. know that he's canonically a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, a, that, that's like, he's a rare, like, Henson character that's kind of, I think the Skeksis in general are, like, the rare, irredeemable Henson characters. Yeah. Because, like, they're supposed to represent, like, you know, the upper class, the ruling class, and Henson and his crew being a bunch of hippies, you know, they don't like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you're, like, part of the ruling class and an asshole, you have to be really hot. And Skex will just kind of uh, fall slightly short of that bar in order for me to go date. So I'll have to pass for that one. Yeah, I'm going to pass for the same. I do say, I do like his red garments. I think he is the most fashionable mm. of, of the Skeksis. But uh, I think that's the only thing really going for him. I, I'm going to give a pass on Skexel, the Chamberlain. Yes, I, I feel like he's, he's, he, he's probably a real freak in the sack but they're mm, just yes. like they're, that's maybe the one pro against all those cons so yeah it just doesn't quite weigh up so I'm just yeah, gonna... yeah 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 um moving on but staying in the world of fantasy with our henson friends mm. from labyrinth well it's it's not just one character but a bunch of characters from labyrinth we have the fireies <laughs> We have we have the fireies, though. Of course, uh, in the movie Labyrinth, these this is the group of creatures who can easily uh, take their heads off and juggle them and throw them about. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, similar to what we said about Skeksol, I think getting a group of fireies in the bed might be kind of a fun, freaky time. <laughs> Um, probably a night you won't forget. On the other hand, you know, the reason that Jennifer Connelly pieces out is because they're like, yeah, of course your head comes off. We're going to try to get your head to come off your body. And that's why she got to run. So, 
you know, uh, I think uh, I I think otherwise they're kind of a fun bunch, but uh, you you gotta you gotta watch your neck, protect your neck, as the Wu Tang <laughs> once said. Uh, yeah. Maybe that maybe they maybe that's where they got the idea. Maybe 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 uh, RZA took the whole clan to go see Labyrinth. It's like we gotta do a song called "Protect Your Neck" because if we encounter the fireies, damn son, damn motherfuckers trying to keep trying to keep out <laughs> Exactly, yeah. And uh, so yeah, I uh, mm, okay, but what I date? Hmm. You know what? I'm gonna say yes. I would date the fireies, but I would have my guard up a little bit. What about you? Yeah, I feel like I'd be too curious to say no. So I'm gonna like, because you know maybe maybe they're because you know they come from a magic land and they're magical creatures. So maybe like in the sphere of influence uh, of the of the fire thingies, maybe your head does come off when you're around them. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, hopefully, if you're in the bed, they don't rip something else off. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but you know uh, that brings us to our final character on the list, and this is from the television show Dinosaurs, and we're talking about Earl Sinclair. Earl Sinclair. Uh huh. Mm. <laughs> like he's he's just he's just dinosaur Homer. Yeah, it's dinosaur Homer. Although. I think uh, he's more dinosaur <laughs> Hank Hill, perhaps. Uh, yeah, I think he has a little bit more uh, intelligence than maybe a Homer Simpson. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think the only real downside is that he is, I think, kind of a you know, as as, the, as it was, he's you know a, a typical sitcom dad, maybe a little set in his ways, maybe a little dumb. Uh, but you know, again, uh, going back to the, all the, the the Hensons being a bunch of hippies, you know, dinosaur was all about like learning important lessons about the environment and society and whatnot. And it did show that Earl Sinclair was willing to learn, willing to change, um, set in his ways. And you know what? He raises that he raises the baby who all, who is always. Uh, knocking Earl Sinclair with a frying pan on the head, saying, you know, not the mama, not the mama, and then hitting him on the head with something. And he still loves that kid, and he's still willing to take all those blows, so that is a man of patience, I feel. <laughs> yeah, and, a devoted guy. Yeah, so you know what? Uh, you know, Despite maybe being, you know, kind of a, a typical sitcom husband-dad type of person, I think... There is still goodness in Earl Sinclair, and I would date Earl Sinclair. What about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just be real superficial here. He's a dinosaur, so I'm gonna date him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just like dinosaurs, man. You could have just, you could have pointed any like cast member from dinosaurs, and would you, would you date that particular dinosaur, Luana? And I'd be like, yeah, it's a here's dinosaur. A good... Now, there, here's a question: Is there a dinosaur you would not date? Uh, from dinosaurs the it's been a long while so like i remember the basic like like not the baby because he's a kid but yeah like, what about the what about his boss what about earl sinclair's boss who was always yeah, sitting that's at the a desk? guy right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah sure like, triceratops are cool yeah. okay all right the one who's like sinclair <laughs> 
Yeah, but you know, when when you know, when when he's naked, he's just a dinosaur. So. <laughs> that was the most disappointing thing about you with that show. It was like, oh, why do you put clothes on these on these creatures? We need to see him naked. I, I just tuned out. I, I tuned out after one episode. Is that <laughs> dinosaurs don't wear clothes? I said as a little kid. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny that show, no joking, does talk about fucking. Like they do talk about like mating and mating rituals and whatnot. Because so. I was I was too little kid, so probably a lot of like adult themes went over my head. I, well, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it, it's it uh, again. No joke. I don't know where you can watch dinosaurs these days. Oh, I, isn't dinosaurs on Disney Plus or something? Um, well, they, uh, I guess the Henson Workshop is owned by Disney, but it was dinosaurs. A- well, it was on ABC, which is a Disney-owned channel. Oh, okay, so that maybe must be actually, because yeah, ABC has always been a Disney-owned thing. Also, I'll just say if you ever rewatch dinosaurs. They go hard on their politics, on their left-leaning politics. Right, um, right. They, 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 it isn't, it isn't what, it, it was very funny because again, you're watching it for the, you know, not the mama, not the mama, but then you get these, uh, you know, the, the most notable thing about that show is that it ends with climate change and the ice age starting and all the characters are going to die. So, you know, <laughs> show did not F around when it came to politics. Oh my gosh, the mom was voiced by Jessica Walter. Yeah, Jessica Walter. That and playing one of many great TV moms, a great TV mom actress. Um, and we may talk about one of her co-stars a little later, but that was Date or Pass, Henson edition. And you know, who knows? Maybe we we may talk about the dateability of certain other characters in just a few moments because you know, we talked about Sesame Street, we talked about Fraggle Rock, Labyrinth, Dark Crystal, Dinosaurs. But, well, there's a certain defining show and a certain defining group of characters within the Henson Ovier that we have yet to discuss. And, well, it's those darn beloved Muppets. And in particular, for today's episode, we're talking Muppets from Space. Welcome to a house where the normal routine... Good morning, everyone. The raspberry flapovers will be out in a moment. ...is anything but. The kitchen is closed. The Muppets are back. They all had their place in the world. Except for Gonzo. I've always wondered where I came from, who I am. Hey, Gonzo, don't you think you ought to take a little break? You're starting to freak out the neighbors. Now, he's about to find out he's not alone. I know where I come from! I'm from outer space! You look terrible! No, 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 Rizzo. I'm just fine. Oh my God! My God! People of Earth, do not be alarmed. Oh, brother. Get ready for alien contact. Rizzo, come here. My Captain Alphabet is sending me a message. It said, are you there? Are you sure it didn't say, are you nuts? Close encounters. <laughs> and other shocking moments. La, 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 la. Wow. I should uh, go change, okay? The mothership is calling me home. The mood is tense. My hair looks great. Oh, oh. Let's go get Gonzo. Columbia Pictures and Jim Henson Pictures. Now who wouldn't put too much gunpowder in the cannon? Take you where no Muppet has gone before. This is Miss Piggy with the UFO Alien 
exclusive. What? Hello. This is my story. There he is. from space. No nostrils. How do you smell? Awful. Trust me, I'm his roommate. <laughs> Muppets from Space, directed by Tim Hill, was released on July 14th, 1999. It stars Dave Gold, Steve Whitmire, Frank Oz, Bill Beretta, Jerry Nelson, Jeffrey Tambor, and many others. It is the last theatrical Muppet movie made before the acquisition by Disney in 2004. Now, um, a, what feels like and probably was a good couple years back, Luana and I had another podcast called uh, Movie Lobby Commentaries, and we did a commentary track on the original Muppet movie from the 70s, and we talked about our feelings on Henson. Then, but I'd like to briefly bring back what uh, the Muppets mean to us again to, to sort of get listeners on this podcast on our level. And I'll just say that for me, I just love Henson puppets. I love the Muppet TV shows, the Muppet movies, Sesame Street, Fraggle Rock, Dark Crystal, uh, Labyrinth, Dinosaurs. I love it all. And there isn't, and it's hard for me to find a Henson production that I have it that I don't have at least uh, passingly positive feelings for. I'm, I'm pretty much in the bag or basket for most of the output from the beginning to now. I I, I just love uh, Muppet stuff. Uh, what about you, Luana? What where are you with? Uh, the puppet tree of Jim Henson. Uh, I think my uh, initial uh, exposure to the Muppets was like many kids through Sesame Street. That's that's the oldest Muppet thing I remember, or the uh, the earliest Muppet thing I remember seeing in my life. Um, but the Muppets were also on TV while while uh, Sesame Street was on. So I. I, yeah, I always, I always liked all of them. You're as a big Henson fan, I'm sure you're aware that Sesame Street uh, had worked with like international localizations, where there would be like interstitials with local uh, Muppets. Uh, there was a Dutch Sesame Street had a um, had a dog called Tommy. Uh, there was a, a mouse called Eenie Meenie. Uh, and uh, a, a, a blue variant of Big Bird called Pino. Uh, yeah, I've seen I've seen pictures of Pino before. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because in Sesame Street the movie, like an evil, um, the evil circus uh, like director kidnaps Big Bird and like he's got amnesia or something, and they paint him blue because so Big Bird. Yeah, blue. yeah, and follow that bird. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I thought it was funny as a kid because I was like, what? He's always blue. <laughs> you know, Pino and Big Bird aren't the same character. <laughs> or or this was the dark origin of Pino. Like, Big Bird gets kidnapped. It's a, it's a trafficking situation. He gets captured, oh, painted no. blue, sent to another country. Traffic new... that bird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, you already um, thought uh, Follow That Bird had some sad moments, but oh my goodness. <laughs> no, yeah, and uh, I guess as a young teenager, I watched The Muppets Tonight, uh, which which I also liked. I, I have a feeling that it's kind of disparate, but I enjoyed it. Uh, uh, and uh, yeah, The Muppet Movies, I, I grew up with them. Uh, didn't seem didn't seem super often, but you know they're always a delight. I think the one I saw the most was either Christmas Carol or Treasure Island, because uh, like they were kind of hot to come out when I was around that age, you know, in the early nineties. Uh, no, yeah, um, it was wonderful. Then later, I was in my late teens when I found out about um, Dark Crystal. I, I had some, I had some. Um, I needed to. That was an acquired taste, Dark Crystal, and even today, I, I guess I'm kind of. Uh, I don't hate Dark Crystal at all. I, I actually really like Dark Crystal, but uh, that's definitely a movie where you're like, yeah, the story doesn't really matter, and and Jed and Kira aren't the super most you know and interesting characters, but you know the world is just so gorgeous. You can just luxuriate in the set design and the, the puppetry, and it's like it's fine. The stories just bring thing here. Uh, <laughs> It's you know like there's stuff like Fizzgig and Aura and indeed the 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 shitty Skeksis there that's just wonderful to be. It's almost like a dark ride in movie form, you know. It's just like ooh new locations. What's this? Show me, Jim. And I think Labyrinth is my fave in terms of like wonder yet a lot of humor and character and emotion. Um, uh, favorite you know non-core Muppet Crew movie, I'd say. Yeah, but that you, but Labyrinth's probably like your favorite of the Henson productions. Yeah, yeah, because you know it's got the great David Bowie music. Yeah, uh, it's actually pretty. Uh, I I think it gets pretty emotional, like with Jennifer's uh, friendship with the with the Muppets, with the with Sir Didymus and and and, mm-hmm. and Dem and Hoggle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, no, yeah, I, I'm kind of in in your boat where. Uh, even stuff that's kind of maligned or, or seen as lesser hints and stuff. I'm like, oh, you know, there's there's a lot to like here still, you know? Yeah, and I think, uh, I mean, I, I wanted to do a Muppet film for this particular podcast. And I feel that this particular movie is probably, you know, the best, uh, the best fit for the type of show that we do. And I'll tell you, I was, I, I was such a Muppet fan in the year of 1999 that I saw this in theaters. I, I actually went uh, to my local theater and saw this. Um, did you see it in oh, theaters? Did you... Like 14, 15? Something like that. Uh, let's uh, fifth, uh, fifth, uh, fifth, uh, 14. I must 14 or 13. Yeah. It's funny because like this is the space slash alien themed Muppet movie mm-hmm. and it was, it was 99. So it was, um, uh, there was a new Star Wars coming out, so I wonder if they were kind of trying to yeah. ride them coattails. I bet you that, that was yeah. probably some impetus. But uh, when did you when did you first see Muppets from Space? Do you even remember that? I did not see it in theaters. I think I was seeing it on TV somewhere. I, I guess it kind of came out around the time where I was like still sympathetic to the Muppets, but I wasn't well, a little too old a kid to. See to to specifically seek them out you know yeah you're like oh okay a muppet thing i know what that is so yeah i'll, I'll see it when it's on tv <laughs> yeah 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 I, I must have seen it in the early oos somewhere like some some saturday afternoon uh, or sunday afternoon on on basic cable um, yeah and that that's the thing is that like this 
of the theatrical Muppet movies, this does seem to be the most maligned one. Mm. Um, the one that I think fans of the Muppets tend to rate pretty poorly or, or pretty low compared mm. to the other Muppet films. And even uh, some of the creatives, some of the Henson creators like the Puppeteers or longtime writers who have been involved in Henson stuff, I think even when they, since the, that release, they've kind of... They've kind of talked about it as like not one of their proudest works, uh, Muppets mm-hmm. from Space. Um, although it is a movie that I think we have does have the issues that we'll talk about. I, it's a movie that maybe I have too much Henson uh, love for, or in general, that it's like you know it, it's still amusing to me. I I do agree that of the theatrical movies, this probably does rate pretty low but i still would rate this at least like all right this was fun enough this is you know this is not the the cream of the crop but this isn't expired but this is an expired milk exactly um uh yeah i mean uh so i've always had affection for this movie um but uh, well, uh, do you have any initial thoughts before we get into the meat of Muppets from Space? Um, <laughs> almost because yeah, we just brought up the Star Wars uh, comparison. You know, Phantom Menace is coming out, and I almost feel like it's the Rise of Skywalker of Muppet movies. And I was like, nah, <laughs> nah. But I'm like, that's fine. <laughs> it's not the greatest one, sure, but uh, it's fun. It's fun enough. I'll say this. Um, one thing that is in this movie's favor is uh, I'll say uh, w- my second favorite Muppet of the Muppet Show characters is Gonzo. Uh, my number one would be Kermit the Frog, but number two for me is Gonzo. I've always loved Gonzo. He's always been one of my favorites. And I like the fact that he's the lead in this movie. Usually yeah, it's Kermit. Well, it's funny because he it's it the nineties movies for the Muppets were kind of like Gonzo led. Um, because these were the movies made after the death of Jim Henson and Steve Whitmire took over for a while up until recently. And then so like movies going from Muppet Christmas Carol to Treasure Island to to From Space were kind of gonzo vehicles in a way. Or uh, Gonzo and Rizzo vehicles. Which is funny to think, considering how much, you know, Kermit and Piggy are typically thought as, like, the, the Muppets who are, you know, always at the top. Those are the main stars. Um, but I've always loved Gonzo. I've loved, and for me, even to this day, I think Gonzo is a little precious to me because of the fact that he has retained his original performer after all these years. Um, because of the original, you know, Muppet Show performers like people like uh, Jim Henson and Richard Hunt and Jerry Nelson, they've all passed away. Frank Oz uh, has moved away from puppeteering to be a film director, but Dave Goals has remained Gonzo's only performer since his inception, and to this day, you know, up until you know last year's Disney Plus special, Muppets Haunted Mansion, it's still been Dave Goals as Gonzo, and so he has that little extra specialness to him, you know? What what do you think about Gonzo? I think uh, Gonzo is, in a, way, in a way, the heart 
of the of the Muppets, because, um, no, wait, let me rephrase that. He is the soul of the Muppets. Kermit, Kermit is probably the heart. Um, Gonzo isn't like a, a rat or a dog or a frog. He is, you know, that's what this movie's about. What the heck is he? You know, of course, this movie uh, answers with he's an alien, but. For for a couple decades, Gonzo was really just weird little guy. <laughs> and um, I think um, while he usually wasn't, um, wasn't the emotional center of Muppet stories, I, I feel like what Gonzo is about is really what the Muppets are about. Because the, the Muppets are like, try to Trying to explain the Muppets is a concept to a person that's never heard of the Muppets, right? And it, like they're 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 puppets in a show. Like, okay, so like, what do they do? Stories or no? They're actually putting on a show. The puppets are putting on a show. Yeah, yeah. And so like, you see backstage with the puppeteers and stuff. No, no, no. The 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 puppets are alive, but they're putting on a show. They're they're alive. On a show. Well, they're not really alive, but you know what I mean. <laughs> the, the Muppets have so many layers of of um, of kind of like the, the suspension of disbelief that um, we so happily buy into. Like we obviously know that they're uh, they, they're fake puppets telling a telling a story, but they're 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 fake puppets telling a story about telling stories about they're they're doing entertainment about entertainment. Uh, mm-hmm. The the Muppet performers and writers are playing performers and writers <laughs> doing entertainment about entertainment, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. and they are dogs and frogs and pigs in a world that also has regular dogs and frogs and pigs. Right. Uh, they're, they're um, but they're also not um. They're also like not they if you if you if you just keep it to like the original Muppet movie like Kermit lives in a swamp but he's also a guy who wants to put on a show and and, and you know uh, get together a, a band like as he does throughout the movie. Um, there's there's other Muppets that aren't part of the Muppet theater ensemble like those frog ad executives. Mm-hmm. You know, that in the third one, I think. <laughs> yeah, and Muppets take Manhattan. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and so it's like, what <laughs> you you get the Muppets deal or you don't because you can't really explain it. They're they're puppets right. doing things. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and that's Gonzo. Gonzo is 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 that concept brought to life? So he's like a little blue guy. He's got a crooked nose and he does stunts. Kind of, and he loves chickens, uh, like what, as pets? Yes, but also he is married to one. Uh, and like Gonzo is just like a bunch of weird stuff thrown together that, nonetheless, is never unpleasant. Uh, it it all it all hits it all hits its beats. You know, Gonzo is uh, you you. I, I feel like you're a weirdo if you don't if you don't like Gonzo. I mean, I, I, think, I feel like you're a weirdo if you don't like the Muppets in general. But I feel like, yeah, Gonzo is such a likable character. 
ironically, for a character who's often labeled as a weirdo, you must be a weirdo for not liking the weirdo. You're the real weirdo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and 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 the fun and the fun thing, you know, that's that's part of I think of his appeal or his unique appeal is that he is a character of of not even contradictions because he doesn't. There are no real definitions to contradict. There are there there are so many odd and weird things about him to make this character but what makes him so endearing is that he is proud and happy to be that person and i did and and this is just me you know being a boring boring straight guy for all my life but i was very encouraged to hear like later on in my life when i would hear stories from other muppet fans who was like who also were attached to Gonzo, but they loved him because um, they felt this kinship to him. Like they, they, they felt like, uh, you know, particularly fans who were uh, gender fluid, non-binary, uh, LGBT. Um, and they, you know, of course, media being media, not a lot of great representation, but that the Muppets already being about a group of misfits who are still lovable gonzo could be an example of a character who def who uh defied regular definition but was still happy about who he was and i was really that was really nice to hear when i would hear that oh i you know me being this type of person all my life i just had this view of gonzo but i'm really happy that this character could also take this other meaning for other people um, and, you know, I guess that that's the magic for, you know, Henson in general, uh, that these characters can unlock something in all sorts of different people. Um, but talking about this movie in particular, I, I want to lead off with a question. Do you think, because, or, or I guess some preamble, because the, the joke about Gonzo is that there he has no definition. Anytime... It's been called into question what he is. He's always like, he's a weirdo. He's a whatever. He's a strange thing, an odd thing, a, you know, lacks definition. And in this movie, it gives us the premise that he is an alien. Now, in your estimation, do you think it was a good idea to give him that, that concrete of a definition of who he was? On the one hand, I want to say no, on principle. But the movies are kind of like the Zelda games or the Final Fantasy games in that every movie's a reboot anyway. Yeah. So like, I mean, you... yeah. The thing of, like, mu the term Muppet canon should come with heavy quotation marks, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's not like... Um not like kermit is an admiral because he played one in treasure island <laughs> uh, so uh yeah um it's i, I would have kept his origin mysterious but his origin doesn't matter because his that you know did they ever bring that back did they ever even reference the 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 parliament funkadelic origins that he had? <laughs> i uh, think yeah i think because of the poor reception this movie has um, I think pretty much now that that is no longer like any type of canon. Like I think Gonzo is just back to being his undefinable weirdo whatever self. Um, 
even if you again you take any of these movies as any concrete you know canon for any of these characters anyway <laughs> but i guess like for some people it was taking away like the fun of his character what um like uh there there was always a fun ambiguity and therefore maybe a uh, limitlessness to what that character was responsible for could be responsible for or what you could project on him and having him simply be an alien is like kind of eh, you know you're ruining the fun now eh. um but the, you know i i, I want to say this um it's this movie I, I think aside from like the gonzo identity whatever whether you like it or not i think the movie again i am fine with this movie but it does feel different from the other Muppet movies, doesn't it? It Doesn't it just have a different feel from at least the previous movies that had come before it? Uh, so, like, one of the things about this movie, like, one of the big criticisms is that it's not a musical. Like, mo like Muppet movies are known for having musical numbers, and it's not that. There's, like, no, no, none of the Muppets breaking the songs. There's no big fancy numbers. It's all backed by like 70s and 80s funk R&B music um which is which is funny because this gets like this cuz I don't know about you but I feel like there's an interesting trend in 90s kid movies or 90s family movies where a lot of those movies or those type of movies often have like oldies soundtracks like songs that the directors who are probably, you know, Gen X or probably at least baby boomer age, like the directors and writers of these family movies were probably of the age to grow up with like 70s and 80s and maybe 60s music. So oftentimes like these 90s movies meant for 90s kids often have like, you know, these older songs that kids wouldn't be familiar with. Um, I find that to be an interesting trend in 90s kids movies. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay, I know what the kids like. They like George Clinton. They like James Brown. Of course, this will, this is what the kids like. I think that movies like the songs that are cool, unless they are specifically meant to sell current records, uh, will always reflect the stuff that the directors or creative behind the scenes think are cool. I mean. We just had Thor Love and Thunder, which was wall the wall Guns N' Roses. I don't think the Zoomers are listening to Guns N' Roses, you know? Um, we were the, the Guardians of the Galaxy, you know? That, that's, uh, or sure, it has an in-universe explanation because Peter Quill's Walkman from home. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, James Gunn is of a, of a certain age, you know? Uh, so I don't think that the, the type, because of the, you know, historical interval of the age of 90s kids movies directors means that we did get a lot of oh i feel good yeah <laughs> oh 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 man i feel good probably showed up in so many kids movies of the 90s <laughs> exactly so um i don't think it's particularly a 90s movies thing but uh, songs of that era you know the 60s uh, 70s soul being on yeah, absolutely absolutely now that was a 90s thing well to elaborate more don't you i don't know how you feel about this but because you know yeah the muppet movies typically are for families and whatnot but doesn't 
doesn't Muppets from Space feel like the most kid movie of the Muppet films? Like, it feels very specific towards, like, you know, this isn't just a Muppet movies, but the the type of humor and the type and the way it's shot, it feels very more like 90s kid movie than Muppet movie. Yeah, I was uh, thinking the same thing while watching it. I, I, I felt like, yeah, this, this really feels like... Because usually Muppet movies feel like Muppet movies. They're, they uh-huh. truly are their own thing. But Muppets in Space, yeah, legitimately does feel like a 90s kid movie like Beethoven or Three Ninjas. It just yeah. happens to star the Muppets. Uh, yeah, because I feel like the Muppet films until until From Space, they do feel like... Uh, they do feel like each film is a certain take on a certain genre or story, but with a Muppet twist on it. Like, obviously, Christmas Carol and Treasure Island are, you know, classic stories, but with Muppets in it. Um, but I even say that, like, even things like Muppet Movie, Great Muppet Caper, and Muppets Take Manhattan even feel like there is a certain familiar movie premise that we're then going to explore with Muppets as our main character. So, like, Muppet movies, like, it's a road trip movie. Well, what happens when there's Muppets in it? Uh, Great Muppet Caper is like, oh, it's a, it's, a, it's a British, you know, vacation movie. What happens when you put Muppets in it? New York, uh, take Manhattan, it's all about, you know, oh, the all about the Big Apple and trying to make it in the big city, you know, but with Muppets. And Muppets from Space, even though it, 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 it does have a lot of, it is about, you know, sci-fi premises and, and aliens and whatnot. It, I don't know, it doesn't feel like it, except, except for, like, a few jokes, it doesn't feel like it's particularly riffing on sci-fi, if you know what I mean. Like, it, it, it definitely feels a lot more like a situational comedy kids movie where the Muppets are the stars. And yeah, again, it has aliens and all that, but it doesn't feel like doing spoofs or Muppet takes on sci-fi stuff is the name, the main name of the game, which you would think might should be like, should be what is the movie is about. Like you hear Muppets from base is like, okay, we're going to do some like, Oh, what's a, what's, you know, what's like a star Wars Muppet thing or a star Trek Muppet thing. And aside from like some reference, you know, like some pop culture references, uh, you don't get a lot of that, you know? Yeah, yeah, because I think that uh, the crux of the movie is go get thing, you know. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. They're they're like, oh, we gotta break into this into this building, and it's like, oh, sneaking around and don't get caught, and and it's not even like a crazy men in black building. It's just a government building, you know? Yeah. There's, there's a, there's the Ray Liotta. Yeah. <laughs> Ray Liotta security guard cameo, which is very fun. Rest in peace, King. Um, yeah. 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 I think honestly that, I think that, I think honestly that might've been the first time I ever saw Ray Liotta in something. So. Whew, um, God, good question. Did I see Muppets? Maybe I saw Goodfellas first. I'm not sure. Um, I'm pretty sure I saw No Escape first. You know, the one where he goes to a prison planet? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny how much of a crazy man he usually plays in there. But <laughs> he, he's, a, he's a funny security guard. Ha, 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 ha. 
yeah, there, there's no, it, it almost might as well not have been a, um, <laughs> might as well not have been a, a sci-fi themed movie. Like if, if Gonzo was an endangered animal that they have to get out of the, uh, out, of, out of the hands of some poachers and then free him and let him run wild into the, I don't know, into the mere woods in California or something <laughs> instead of spaceship at the end. It would have been the same movie. Yeah. Um, well, well, did you know, as trivia for this movie, this was not the original idea for Muppets from Space? Mm-hmm. What was um, the original idea? Well, I guess there were two... At, I guess at the time, in the late 90s, there were two competing Muppet scripts that were about a sci-fi Muppet premise. And so the one script was Muppets from Space, the movie we ultimately got. But then there was a competing script called Muppets in Space. And what's funny about this premise is that it 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 pretty much is that it pretty much sounds like the premise of another 1999 sci-fi comedy, Galaxy Quest. Uh, Galaxy, <laughs> okay. uh, in which the idea is that aliens from another planet receive transmissions from Earth, but it's episodes of the Muppet Show, and they think that Kermit the Frog is secretly their ruler. Who has been mm-hmm. trapped on Earth? So they right. abduct Kermit and take him back to his home planet. And then the adventure is that the Muppets plan this ramshackle rescue mission to travel through outer space to get to the a- alien planets. Um, which, uh, you know, I gotta admit, it it kind of sounds like a little bit more of an intriguing premise, you know? <laughs> yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Because then, like, what we were talking about, then you could do, like, all the sci-fi riffs, but Muppet stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I guess there's, like, I mean, I guess they do the Close Encounters finale, uh, but uh, the, the most sci-fi-ish thing they do is the, um, uh, the what was the Cosmic Salmon, or was those those two fish? The Cosmic Fish, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, like that—that's weird and and kind of spacey and kind of remind me of when Bender in Futurama was like a god floating. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Well, and like, the okay. yeah, and the, the and the sci-fi riffs, like the sci-fi movie-specific riffs, riffs feel like feel kind of Family Guy in nature, where it's there isn't even necessarily a joke. It just is the reference, which I don't mm-hmm. think is normally Muppet humor. So like. Uh, there's so like oh no men in black and but you know that's it just josh charles and some other guy <laughs> show up as men in black or or hey jeffrey tamber's gonna say you know to, to boldly go where no man has gone before but oh, that's yeah. <laughs> but it's like it it's like that's it that's it like maybe the most clever reference is the and again i never thought this would be a reference but the independence day reference that spoofs them the scene where Brent Spiner gets thrown up against the security oh, glass, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. which it's funny because it's like you would you wouldn't think of all the things of in Independence Day to like reference that would be something, uh, but it also just like oh it, it it feels like those are the references you're making, and it just feels like so like and they've done pop culture things before but there's something that just feels especially dated about the things they're doing in Muppets from Space. 
Yeah, note the Joshua Jackson and Katie Holmes cameo. Yeah, and they're supposed to be playing their characters from Dawson's Creek, which, by the way, in that scene, uh, Clifford and Pepe the Prawn are hitting on Katie Holmes's character, who is supposed to be a teenager. Gross, 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 Clifford and Pepe. Gross, gross. <laughs> I was thinking while watching the movie that Pepe and Rizzo could totally be like, crooked la confidential cops oh yeah like they're too like they're they're too uh they're two hustlers on the or two like small time hustlers on the police force but like rizzo is the more squirrely one and pepe is the slightly <laughs> more confident one i could totally like, buy that planting evidence and stuff it's like okay we're really gonna you gotta plant the drugs on on that one minority it's like okay first we're gonna take the drugs okay and then we're gonna <laughs> plant them on the guy okay and then we're gonna get the big promotions okay <laughs> i'd love to see that dirty cop dirt, muppet noir dirty cops that'd be great Muppet Training Day. Muppet Training Day. Although I guess Happy Time Murders was was sort of that, I guess, in a way. Yeah. Oh my god, Happy Time Murders. We might have to do that one day on the podcast. Oh, yeah, that, that's a good one. Uh, and I got and I got to say, just like I said before, a movie I do not hate. Yeah, I don't hate it either. I I saw it like a year or so after it came out and I was like, "Oh, this is kind of overly hated." Yeah, uh, maybe one day, boy, maybe one day. Although speaking of hated, uh, Jeffrey Tambor's in this movie, um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it, it's been proven that he's a bad man, bad man. Um, <laughs> uh, but speaking only in this movie, um, obviously he's done some fun comedic performances in his career on Arrested Development and Larry Sanders Show. I don't think he's particularly strong in this movie. Um, there's something, I don't know, he, there's something like too restrained or not big enough about his performance. Uh, I'm not the craziest about Tambor in this movie, aside from, you know, the personal stuff, you know. I, I, I think, honestly, that, ironically, I think someone like Ray Liotta should have played that part. Yeah, I, I was thinking he need. I think that type of government character needs to be at either two ends of the spectrum. I think you need a guy who's either too strange, like maybe he's almost like a like he's so obsessed with UFOs and what and alien contact that he's almost Muppet like mm-hmm. in personality. Like David Arquette makes a cameo later in the movie, and I was like, oh, maybe David Arquette would be kind of that right, type of guy. Right. Or here's a weird thought, or maybe. You need someone like a Richard E. Grant type of person who could be like so overly like stuffy and serious that when he breaks into like comedic outbursts and whatnot, then it's like funny because mm-hmm. it's a, a it's a stuff shirt. But like Tambor kind of just he he just kind of flatlines in this movie for me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, the scenes with Bobo and and I love Bobo, but like the Tambor scenes are. Among the weakest, I'd say. Of yeah. But I like Bobo. I, I think he's a funny character. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, uh, Bobo is actually an interesting um, kind of outlier in this movie. Because I think, if not for Bobo, all Muppets in this movie are originating from the same, like, 
household? I think Bobo is the only. Muppet. Yeah, he doesn't live with everybody else in the big Muppet house. Right. Yeah. And you know, we talked about how this movie isn't um, a musical, but I think that's another instance of where making where this makes it feel different from the other Muppet movies, and that is that apparently. The Muppets live in a nor- relatively normal world because uh-huh. all Muppet activities, you know, besides Bobo, seems to be centered around that one household. That's apparently where the Muppets live. All the yeah. Muppets on Earth seem to live there. Um, and that was not the case in the previous Muppet movies. You would, you know, uh, Earth was kind of a Pokemon world where yeah, Muppets, Muppets everywhere. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's also an a factor making it feel like a 90s kid movie that happens to star in the Muppets. Uh, I feel a little siloed off from the real world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I think, like, uh, yeah, like, you know, David Arquette, that crazy doctor could have been an actual Muppet, or or Andy McDowell, you know, the, the, yeah. the lady that uh, the... Um, Piggy is, is is jealous of and wants mm-hmm. to wants to overtake in, in her career. And that could have been a Muppet, you know, to just, yeah. just like, yeah, oh, this is a Muppet world. This is um yeah, you know. Yeah, I I it it does feel yeah, and uh I wanna say that um a lot of this because I we're, we're, I think we're coming back to the same criticism. It feels definitely more like nineties kids movie than Muppet movie and I bet you a good amount of that is attributed to the director so this movie is directed by Tim Hill who uh not previously a Henson guy like usually these Henson productions are sort of done in-house like a lot of the writers and producers and directors are people who have come up on Muppet Show or Sesame Street or whatever Tim Hill um Honestly, he does have a pretty impressive career in family entertainment, like a long history at Nickelodeon as being a uh, writer, artist, and story developer, or a series developer for Kablam! and Rocco's Modern Life and SpongeBob SquarePants, um, all sorts of stuff. And then uh, Muppets from Space wasn't the only movie he directed. He would later direct kids' movies like uh littlest vampire big fat liar and whatnot so again this is definitely like less a henson guy than like this is a guy who is you know firmly in the trenches of family entertainment and for better or worse i think that's why this movie has that such a different feel that it definitely feels more aligned with sort of that because it's not just like it, it being not a musical but like it, it, it uh, now that i'm thinking about it, it's like yeah there is stuff like the stuff like the dated pop culture references there's also like not gross but like there's a surprising more amounts of like scatological humor in muppets from space than usual um like fozzy picking his nose or like there's like a or like when Jeffrey Tambor puts on a rubber glove, they're like, ah, oh, you better ask where that hand's going and whatnot. Again, pretty soft stuff, but like, you know, not typically like Muppet material. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which is kind of funny because you, you feel like uh, the Muppets would be one of those typical 
franchises where one could say like, "Oh, it's very fun for the kids," but uh, there's some stuff in there for the parents. But honestly, the Muppets never really rolled that way. I mean, sure they were you know fun for parents too, but they didn't really do that by smuggling in risque humor. You know, that wasn't really yeah. I never considered that. Yeah, I I will say, and again, this there's always that Onion article that gets references that gets referenced like I know I think about the Muppets more than you do and you know it and how that onion article you know satirizes you know nerd thoughts geek thought about how much they care about things that don't actually matter but I'll say that weirdly for like as soft of of a thing as Muppets are I do think they do they have a certain sensibility to them because you know, the Muppet Show humor, I think, originates from uh, Borschbelt comedy. It originates from a variety show comedy of, like, the 60s and 70s, of stage performances, of variety performances. So, um, because that's what the Muff- Muppet Show at the time was riffing on. So, it does have this very, I think, particular way of doing jokes that I do think that it's like if you do something that's a little off, it it does feel slightly wrong somehow. You know, the feel does feel off in a way. Um, speaking of feeling off in a way, there is a moment uh, where Jeffrey Tambor, when he's inter- interrogating Gonzo, he comes up right behind Gonzo and starts massaging his shoulders like, oh, my <laughs> little friend, we're going to get the information out of you. And, now that we know what Tambor is life like in real life, it, that scene suddenly is a lot more creepier. <laughs> Especially considering that uh, Gonzo is like non-binary. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it, it's a oh, uh, <laughs> on a lighter note. If anyone is interested, um, on YouTube, the YouTuber Aiden Elizabeth has a really fun. A video essay about Gonzo and uh, sort of how he's viewed through a queer and non-binary lens and sort of the history of the character um, that I would recommend if anyone's interested in that and maybe readings on the character that you have may have never considered. It's very enlightening, uh, really fun video essay I have to recommend. Uh, you know, you got you to gotta mention something more positive to offset the awfulness of Tambor. Um, <laughs> oh, then there's... This is random. There's also that, uh, speaking of dated pop culture references, there's that also really dated uh, reference where Hulk Hogan comes in as his Hollywood Hogan persona. Oh, yeah. I'm a bad guy now. (laughs) I'm a bad guy now because at the time, for those who don't know, by the time, (laughs) at that time, he had left WWF and joined uh, New World Order, NWO, and, and had adapted the Hollywood Hogan uh, persona where he was like a sellout bad guy type of character um <laughs> but yeah that's definitely a, a moment where like oh 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 my goodness i i forgot about hollywood hogan you know i forgot about that moment in his life uh yeah <laughs> it's funny that like first uh first Muppet movie has like a cameo by orson wells this one has hollywood hulk hogan <laughs> ah such a such such luminaries from orson wells to hollywood hogan he it's funny even 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 in the end credits for this movie he's not a hulk hogan he's he is listed as hollywood hogan <laughs> um that's how long 
but you know what? I think we've talked enough about Muppets from Space. Uh, so let's go ahead and start wrapping it up. And let's go ahead and get into uh, Most Trashy, Least Trashy, where we talk about our least favorite and most favorite things from Muppets from Space. Uh, let's kick it off with Most Trashy. Uh, hmm. You know, I am going to say for most trashy, uh, yeah, I'm going to say Tambor. I'm going to say, again, uh, obviously we know that Tambor is not a good guy, but, you know, centered on just this performance, it, it feels a little flat. It doesn't quite match the energy I think you need. For a Muppet film, and and uh, yeah, I think we could have found a better actor for that. What about you? What was most trashy for you? Well, my original thought would have been simply to also say Tambor, but I, uh, you know, in order to uh, give our listeners something new, I'm just going to go with the very concept of uh, doing a sci-fi Muppet movie in the year of a new Star Wars, which is kind of... Uh, mercenary and having that sci-fi angle be revealing that gonzo is an alien which is kind of you know runs counter to the whole idea that uh, gonzo is just a nice weirdo which is you know the whole whole shtick of the muppets the whole uh thing that makes outcasts and you know real life weirdos so drawn to the muppets um so i'm gonna say that the trashiest bit barring tambor is the very concept of this movie. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, on the flip side, let's talk about least trashy, our most favorite thing. And you know what? I will say, I think my favorite thing of the movie is Pepe the Prawn, um, uh, who's vo- who is puppeteered by Bill Beretta. Now, at the time of this movie coming out, he is a fairly new character, like was just introduced in the TV show Muppets from Muppets Tonight just a year or so before this movie. And here he is kind of integrated into the main cast. It's like, hey, look, it's Pepe. It's your new favorite character. And I think there could have been a Poochie-like situation of forcing a character you're supposed to like into a uh, into a piece of entertainment we already have affection for. But I think Beretta has such a good handle on that character and generally makes him a funny presence that uh, I don't mind him, you know, hanging out with the more veteran characters like Fozzie and Piggy and everybody else. So I'm going to say my favorite thing, least trashy, is Pepe the Frog. Uh, I'm going to expand that to the general puppetry of this movie because... you know, for all the uh, for all the criticisms that you can lobby at this film, story-wise or um, you know concept-wise, I think the actual execution of the puppets is still very funny. And in several instances while watching this movie, I I was like laughing out loud simply at like ways that Muppets moved. Um, there was. Uh, at the start when Kermit is trying to get to the bathroom and everyone's, you know, everyone's cutting in front of him and stuff. There's a, there's a cow that's drinking from the sink. (laughs) And 
I don't know. The way that that cow was like gulping from from the faucet was was so funny to me, and I was like, God, that is such, you know, um, characterful manipulation of the puppet. That you know, it's wonderful that they can elicit because there's no joke, there's no punchline. <laughs> it just looks funny. Um, when when um, Gonzo is floating through space and gets that you know prophecy from the cosmic fish. And he gets like hurtled back to space, he, uh, again back to Earth. He goes like, "Wow!" <laughs> and there's, again, there's no punchline. Just the way that the puppet is pulled back, and it made me laugh out loud. And uh, you know, I, and I think just that artistry is is amazing. The fact that you can just elicit these things, these emotions, these feelings without a punchline, without a without without a story without anything scripted just being like hey here's this emotion and we're 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 um we're expressing this emotion in that way and that is funny that's that's wonderful that's that's great so i think that's the least trashy the the actual puppetry on this point i heartily co-sign on that but will we heartily co-sign on a definitive take on this movie because luana we've come to the final question of the podcast, really the ultimate question of this episode and of the show. So, Luana, give us your final thoughts by answering this simple question. Is Muppets from Space a trash movie? No, because I believe that even though, you know, it's kind of... Uh, it, it, it's, its concept may be kind of facile and compared to the other Muppet movies, it may feel like a random 90s kid movie that happens to star the Muppets. I think there's just simply too much artistry on display and too much heart still. Um, even in these uh, latter days of the, you know, Muppet glory era that, uh, no, I can't hate it. I can't hate it. Even if there's a, maybe a bit more mercenary spirit to it than we're used to in the Muppets. But um, I thoroughly enjoyed watching this, uh, this movie, warts and all. How about you, Travis? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and also say that this is not a trash movie. I will, again, agree that this is sort of on the weaker end of the Muppet filmography. I, you know, I don't think this is probably as memorable as the other feature films. Uh, but on the other hand, if you do put this on, you know, I think you'll have a pleasant enough time. And a couple of the, jo and a couple of the jokes will make you crack a smile, make you laugh. And again, like you said, if, if the difficult artistry of puppetry can elicit that response you know why not why not give it a little bit of credit because in a way isn't that the spirit of the muppets it's a bunch of entertainers without the best resources maybe not even the best in their artistry but they're trying their darndest to make you have a good time and you know what if if a Muppet project can at least elicit those feelings, then I cannot call it trash. Oh, yeah. I think, I think we're pretty on the same uh, level there. Yeah, and uh, I th that was a nice conversation about Muppet stuff, but, uh, you know, we have to leave Muppet stuff behind because we will have a new episode coming out soon in two weeks. will be another episode and talking about another movie and then, uh, and, uh, well... Luana, Luana, something's been bothering me. Can I, can I be honest? What, what's that? What, I, well, well, earlier when we did, well, when we did date or pass earlier, 
you know, you disagreed with me about dating Ernie and, and saying maybe I was being a little too harsh. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I don't appreciate that, Luana. Lu- I, that that, that, that kind of disrespect. In fact, it, it just makes me mad. I'm mad at you, Luana. I, I I can't stand when you when you try to criticize me like that, Luana. I just oh, it just burns me up inside. Ugh. Well, just screw so you, Travis. I can I can tell you what I want. Well, yeah, what, what I, I'm mad with you. Exactly. I don't know. What the, I, actually, hold on. Wait a minute. I'm just wait. Oh, mad. Oh. I'm just. Oh, actually, oh. hold on. I need to get something out of my pocket. Uh, oh, okay. I, I feel a little better now. I'm sorry, Luan. I should have told you this beforehand, but uh, uh, I actually had some some mood slime in my pockets here. Oh, what's that? Well, uh, yeah, it, it yeah, thing, yeah, you know? yeah. It's like it's mood slime. It's supposed to like exacerbate, you know, uh, really negative emotions. So uh, I'm oh, I'm sorry. Right. Yeah, some bad vibes. I'm sorry, Luan. I I didn't mean it. It was just this mood slime that was affecting me. Ah, oh, I, I can't believe you. We fell victim to to mood slime. I, I, can you can you believe that? How did how did this end up on you, Travis? I I don't know. Uh, but you know what? I think we might find an answer by looking at the origin of mood slime by talking about Ghostbusters too. Ooh, now that'll lift us up on higher. I'm sure. Yeah, I know. I've already feel the Jackie Wilson music uh, you know, going right <laughs> through me, and feel like I need to walk around New York with my with my torch held high. But uh, you know, we're gonna talk about all that on the next episode in two weeks. Um, but in the meanwhile, you can follow this show on Twitter at Trash Movie Pod. Email the show at trashmoviepod at gmail.com. And if you're feeling especially nice and generous, you can give this show a five-star rating and review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. In two weeks will be our episode on Ghostbusters 2. But until next time, the defense rests. See ya. See ya.